If you will, uh, open your, uh, if you have your Bibles, open them to Mark chapter 14. That's going to be our passage for, uh, for this afternoon that we're going to attempt to look at. Mark chapter 14. And we're going to be starting uh, in verse 32. So Mark chapter 14, verse 32. And they came to a place which was called Gethsemane. And he said unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. He went forward a little, a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and cometh and findeth them sleeping and saith unto them, Peter, or saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst thou not watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit is truly ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh the third time and saith unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest, it is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. So we've been uh, in our Thursday uh, Bible study. We had a few things that kind of delayed us um, with Camp Mariah and a couple guys um, having the audacity to get married and all of these things that kind of delayed us. So we've been parked in Mark chapter 14 for a while. Um, and uh, as I've been studying through it, one of the things that just kept on um, coming to my mind was just the um, the commitment to God, to His plan toward His people. Um, and we see that through uh, Christ's reaction, but also through... Um, God's plan throughout uh, all of the Old Testament. So we're going to be looking at three uh, different points um, this uh, this afternoon. Um, kind of the three subjects of um, of the passage. Uh, first, we'll be looking at the uh, the suffering Savior. Second, the steadfast Father, and the sleeping people. Um, so uh, <clears throat> we're going to start off with. Uh, the suffering Savior. So, um, again, as we kind of look at this, just thinking of the agony of Christ in this um, in this moment, what he was what he was going through, and what was, um, you know, I've, I've, all of us know this story. This is not going to be anything new to any of y'all. But if you really, you know, just try to uh, try to imagine, or you know, the agony here is just so apparent. And I caught myself as I was studying through it, just thinking, well, you know, trying to understand what what would cause all, you know, get a little bit, you know, dwell on that. And uh, brothers and sisters, it really boils down to that being fully, um, fully man and yet fully God, 
he had a God, Christ had a full understanding of exactly what was about to befall him. Um, to the jot and to the tittle. Um, and he had that, well, again, because of, you know, two different things. Number one, um, he knew that all scripture had to be fulfilled. So if you'll turn with me, we're going to look at Isaiah 53. Again, a passage that all of us know. Isaiah 53. Because it's only 12 verses, we're just going to read the whole, the whole chapter here. Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before, before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a, out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him, and despised him, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of men, of God, and afflicted. And he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him and he hath put, on, put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days and the and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge and shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide, divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. <clears throat> I know that's a lengthy um, passage there, but um, I think that just kind of um, you know, this is one of the you know more apt descriptions of what Christ was going to go through, and it's incredible to think that um, all of this you know was so many years before, so many years prior, and that all of this was going to happen to a T. Um, and we know that Christ had an intimate knowledge with Scripture, so He he knew all of this was going to be fulfilled. Um, he had an intimate knowledge of, you know, being rejected and despised of men, being completely abandoned by His disciples. Um, he knew all of this that was that was to come. 
and yet he also knew uh, because he was fully God. Just you know, think about from um, like I said the abandonment side of things with the um, you know the disciples turning you know turning or fleeing from him, and um, you know he was uh, a man with with no friends in that you know in his time of of trouble. But also the not only that, but the spiritual side of things with um, every sin that we, you know, that me, that I would ever commit, ever have committed, and ever will commit, was going to be laid on him, and that was for every single one of his children. Just the emotional toil uh, or spiritual toil that that would be thinking through, um, you know. The judgment of God for another, um, you know that uh, that had to be a heavy, you know, a heavy, heavy weight. Um, and we get why in Luke, you know, he uh, he says his sweat was as great drops of blood. Well, um, brothers and sisters, we would be under. Um, we stress over things that are pale in comparison to these things. Uh, but the amount of stress that our um, that Christ was under, um, you know, the uh, sweat and great, great drops of blood is a uh, actual medical condition where the, uh, the, the blood vessels that are going to your sweat ducts actually rupture your body is under so much stress, uh, and it's so rare they hardly have you know one or two examples throughout uh, very uncommon. Uh, uh, thing to be under that much stress, and that's what Jesus was under as he's praying in the uh, praying in the garden. So, you know, as we think on that, just the you know the agony of Christ, um, that every sin that you know every sin was going to be laid upon him. Um, it was all going to be poured on him, and he would take the full wrath of God that we may be clean. Um, that's that's commitment. That's love that our Savior was. Um, you know, we're getting both both sides of the coin in this passage of the man side of Father. All things are possible. You can, you know, we can figure. You know, there's another. If there's another way, let it happen. And then yet we also see the God side of, but not my will, thou, but thy will. And it's just an, an incredible thought. Um, along those lines, if we'll turn, uh, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5, to be specific. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse 21. And this just kind of sums up that thought. <clears throat> for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So, what a Savior we have that him being blameless, spotless, the Holy Son of God condescended to be sin for us, that we could be right with the Father. Um, again, this is... Uh, just an incredible thought to kind of read this and you and you just you see the love of Christ for for us um, and 
when he receives the uh, you know when he receives the answer of God, when the answer is no, we don't see Christ pouting or or feeling you know sorry or uh, or anything like that. What does he do? Well, it says he gets up and he says, "All right, it is enough. Let us go out." He goes out boldly to meet it. Um, you know, he knows that Judas is coming with, you know, um, with this uh, mercenary group, if you will, to take him away. And he still goes out boldly, you know, boldly to meet it. Um, brothers and sisters, that's a um, amazing love um, that he would stare, you know, abandonment, pain and suffering, all of that. Um he would still go forward boldly to meet it. Um, that knowing the anguish and the term, you know, the, the pain that was to come, he cared for, you know, his children enough to still go out boldly and to meet it. Um, and to go along with that thought, if you will, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And here we're going to read verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And the thought that uh, struck me out of this verse, it just, I think, kind of, uh, wraps it up as the author and the finisher. The work that he set out to accomplish, he finished it. Um, and that's just um, all of that, that he despised the same and, and endured the death of the cross, that we might be justified, that he would bring us into communion with him, um, with him to the Father. Um that's just uh, an incredible Savior that we have there, um, the suffering Savior. So next, um, also like to look at the, uh, the steadfast Father. That's our second point. And uh, we also see the Father's love for, uh, for us through, through all of this as well, don't we? Um, when we start to think of the plan of, of salvation and what all went into leading to this moment, um, Brothers and sisters, this was his plan from the very beginning. Um, everything you read in the Old Testament was pointing and leading to this very moment. This is the culmination um, of all of it. Um, we had, you know, the types and the shadows pointing and leading to Christ, um, and that God had inter, you know, worked all of this intricately. That it was either leading to Christ, you know, even some of the, you know, you read the genealogy of Christ and what all went into it. There are some crazy situations that all lead into that, um, that all of this might be fulfilled and that this was his plan from all eternity since the beginning of the foundation of the world. This was his, uh, his plan and that everything would work together to come to this, um, you know, so you see some of the uh, types and shadows in the Old Testament, like um, 
you know, Moses being a type of Christ bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage and out of uh, slavery. Um, well, that's a, you know, we look at that now and we can see that's, you know, kind of a shadow or foreshadowing of what Christ will do for his people there. Um, the other one uh, that we think of is the law. Brothers and sisters, there's no greater uh, foreshadowing of Christ than the law because when we look at it, if we look at it, um, come to it honestly and humbly, we read it and we say, who can do this? Who can do these things? Um, and that's, you know, the blood of, um, of goats and of, of lambs. It was, it was not enough. So who can, who can complete this? And it, it really points us to, we have a need of a perfect sacrifice. This was, we couldn't do it on our own. Um, and, you know, there are so many other examples, uh, throughout, throughout the Old Testament, but I think you get the point that all of this was leading to, to this. You know, we, uh, if you're watching a movie and you get to the, you know, the ending, that's kind of the climax. Everything is built to this point. Um, and that's, that's what this is. This is the, you know, the crescendo. If you're a music person, um, I'm, I'm not much of one, but, uh, you know, you kind of get the, this is the big, you know, the big moment that everything has been, the whole plan, the whole, pl- the, um, everything has been leading to this moment. Um, and pointing to Christ and his word that all of scripture would be fulfilled. Uh, we mentioned that when we were uh, talking earlier, but that everything, every prophecy was fulfilled to a T. Who can, who can plan that out? That is over thousands of years that all of this would tie in and would add together and would, would, would make sense. We can't even plan a weekend and make sense, can we? That, uh, you know, me and Margaret will try to plan a trip and, you know, we forget something, running to Dollar General to grab this or that or the other. And, um, we can't even plan a two or three day trip, much less thousands and thousands of years bringing all of this together, um, with a sinful people that rebel and go off and still using all of that to bring all of this together, um, for this, this moment. Um, if you will turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. We're just going to flip back a couple chapters from where we were. Hebrews chapter 10. And just kind of fleshing out this point a little bit more. And we're going to start in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For they, for they would, for then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there was remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for you thou hast, hast had no pleasure. 
Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book is written of me to do thy will, O God. And that just puts it, uh, puts it plainly, doesn't it? That the sacrifices that were in the Old Testament, they were, they could not take away the, the stench of sin. They couldn't take away the stain. Um, and that is why we needed a perfect, we needed the perfect sacrifice because in and of ourselves, that's all we could muster. Um, we couldn't, um, we couldn't complete it. Um, and so, um, that is the father's steadfast love that he had this plan and he was going to, uh, work to complete it. The purpose that it all, you know, from the beginning. And we see that also in, in, uh, you know, how he answers Christ's prayer. You know, Christ prays, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Um, in Luke, it says an angel came, uh, comes down and comforts him. Um, and the father's answer was no. What a, you know, if there was ever a prayer in the history of the world that deserved to be answered, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be that one? You know, he's before his face, uh, you know, before his face, before God, his, you know, soul is obviously in anguish, sweating great drops of blood, praying according to God's will. And the answer was still, you know, was still no. But why was the answer no? Is because this was my, you know, um, this was his plan that he would redeem his people. And he had worked from the beginning of time to come to this po- this point and <clears throat> and Christ was going to suffer and was going to die that we might be made clean that we might be brought into the fold that we would have fellowship that all all of the uh history would be complete and would be you know um you know have a put a bow on it if you will that it would all be completed and so um, it was the only way. This it was the only way. We required a perfect sacrifice, and the only way that that could happen was through Christ's suffering. Um, brothers and sisters, what a love that the Father would tell His only begotten Son, "No, you must, you must do this. This is the only way." Um, it's in- incredible. Um, what a love. And then. Um, our third point here, the sleeping people. Um, and I think what the disciples are doing here kind of, um, to me, kind of encapsulate, uh, encapsulates um, our part in, uh, in this whole process, and that is nothing. Um, they, uh, you know, just thinking about when Christ was in all of this, this agony, um, and obviously you know, very tormented. And he asked them to sit and watch and pray for one hour. Seems like a seems like a, a reasonable request, doesn't it? Um, that he's in anguish and they obviously stayed up long enough to capture sweating great drops of blood and the agony and, and what he was saying in his prayer. <clears throat> but that that they would just not realize the gravity of the moment and couldn't stay, you know, couldn't stay awake. That's, um, just a perfect picture to me of, 
us as a people that we so often fail to realize the gravity of the moment, the the weight of of our necessity of Christ. Um, you know, we uh, and it also points to our weakness that in one hour, you know, they uh, they couldn't even stay awake for one hour, and that parallels, uh, you know, exactly to if it was left to us to try to redeem ourselves. This is what this is what we can muster. We can't even muster an hour worth of praying and watching while Christ is in agony. Um, you know, and these are the same disciples that you know. Uh, just a couple verses before, we're saying, oh, "We'd never leave you, Jesus. Not me. I, all these others may, but it's not me." That's called pride. Um, that is um, just the epitome of I can do this on my own. I will stay with you out of my strength. I can I can do it. I can I can you know I can stick with you. And no, you can't. And before we say we'd do any better, brothers and sisters, you would have been asleep faster than the apostles, and you would have fled a whole lot faster. Uh, I would have too. Um, but that is, you know, just the epitome of our state. We have no strength in and of ourselves. It is impossible for us to accomplish what had to be done for us to, um, for us to be redeemed. We couldn't do it. Um, and you also think about just the state of, um, you know, um, this is a little bit silly example, but if you've ever been on a long car ride at, at night and, uh, you know, you've got somebody with you and uh, they fall asleep on you. Any of y'all ever been there? Um, it makes you so mad. You, you feel betrayed, don't you? Um, that they would leave you alone in the darkness. Couldn't even turn on the radio because they're sleeping over there. And uh, as silly as that is, just imagine that that feeling of betrayal that we had Christ comes back to check on the disciples and that's the state He finds them in. Asleep. When He had commanded them, sit and pray, He had told them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. And He comes back and they're asleep. And He wakes them up and He goes away again. And he comes back. They're asleep again. And they don't even know how to, you know, it says they, they wish not how to answer Him. They didn't even have an explanation. They couldn't, you know, could you not sit and watch one hour? They were dumbfounded. They had no explanation. Um, that is, again, that is our our state. And really, aren't you aren't you glad that it is? You know, that is our state. That it wasn't left up to us. That there's nothing that we can boast in to say, "I did this," because genuinely, if we really if we're really honest with ourselves, if we really sort through the, you know, the pride and the smoke and the, um, you know, the puffing out our chest and we really see our true condition, we have way more flaws than we even let out into the light. It goes all the way down to our very core and that we can, we, uh, even our feeble attempts to do good so often are mixed with sin, um, you know, let me sweep this floor and looking over your shoulder saying, well, who, you know, who's looking? 
you know, again, silly example, but I've been there. Um, so it was, uh, the sacrifice was a hundred percent necessary and it was something that we could not do ourselves. And, um, if you will turn with me to Ephesians chapter two, Ephesians chapter two. We're going to read a couple verses here. Again, well-known, well-known verses. Um, start reading in verse eight of Ephesians chapter two. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Um. Again, praise God that it is not. It's not up to my performance. That it is not of my own innate goodness that I am saved, but I can point to Christ and say, um, you know, Alistair Begg says this, but the man on the middle cross said I could come. We have no other explanation for why we should be allowed into the throne room except the man on the middle cross said that I could come. Um, we desperately need the Savior. Um, so, you know, and thinking about this, what is what is the application? You know, uh, um, all of us have heard the gospel before. Uh, it's nothing, you know, um, but this is the foundation for everything. This is the very framework. So all of the other practical applications, you know, the things that we, you know, strive to do, if we don't have this as the foundation, we are building it upon sinking sand. We have we've lost our point. Um you know, Brother Lewis has been preaching through, um, you know, church attendance and church membership and, and all of those things are really, you know, great things. But, um, it really struck me as I was kind of thinking through this and <clears throat> just thinking about coming to church to worship a holy God. Um, cause if we lose track of the gospel, if we lose track of the love that God had for us, that Christ would suffer and die for our sins, that God plan throughout all eternity for this to happen. If we lose track of that, then we will come into church and think, what did I get out of this? I didn't get anything. And it's not for us to get anything. It's for us to give, um, that we would worship the holy name of God that was so, um, that loved us so much that he would bring us out of darkness and into light. Um, how can we not come and worship, worship God? And yet so often we're tempted to you know, drag in late, fall, you know, we stayed up late watching a UFC fight or whatever, if y'all are not into fights. But, you know, if you, um, we're half falling asleep, the kids are restless and, you know, we walk away thinking, well, I don't know what I really got out of that. I, you know, it wasn't about that. It was about what did you give? You know, did you give, you know, worship to the Father? Um, you know, that, that is what all of this is about. That's why we're here. Between these walls, that's why we sing these songs. That's um, it makes me so sad when people say that they don't, you know, they don't sing. Um, you know, it's well, I'm not making a joyful noise. That's baloney. Sing, you know, because what that boils down to is I don't want to sound bad in front of all these people. Well, it's not for them. It's not for them. It's for God that loved you and brought. Brought you into his presence and into fellowship and did so through the blood of his only begotten son. Sing, sing out. 
<clears throat> so, um, you know, same thing with uh, why do we combat sin? In, you know, sin in our life. Well, Christ died to, you know, to save it. You know, save us from it. Well, as Paul said, do we sin that grace may abound? Brothers and sisters, if we don't have a, you know, proper view of every sin that we will commit is laid upon him and that us running to sin is running away from him. Um, brothers and sisters, we need to have a, 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 an apostle mindset when he said, will you also go away? And they said, where else could we go? Where else can we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we read that and we go, well, you know, we know that they'll later run away, but that, that is, we are the same exact way that we, we come and we say, thou hast the words of eternal life. And yet during the week, we have the, well, we're in our weakness. We're so prone to run away from it. Um, brothers and sisters, this is, uh, something that, we forget a hundred times a day, so we have to preach it to ourselves a hundred times a day that God sent Christ to die for us and to redeem us from all unrighteousness, that we have the ability now to fight sin and that we have the ability to overcome it, that we are overcomers. This is um, this world is not our home. We are no longer trapped in the cage, but you have been, you have a way of escape. You have a way to be free. Why then would you return to bondage? Um, and also, how do we endure, uh, endure trials? Well, brothers and sisters that uh, we heard about hope a couple weeks ago, this is our hope that God loves us so much that he would, before the beginning of the world, put our name he said, Caleb Brown is one of my people and I will send my son to die for him. And that he worked all of all of creation and all of history to accomplish that purpose. And he will. And what is his purpose now? His purpose is that we will be made into the image of his son and that we will dwell with him. And as you know, we talked about the steadfast father, he is steadfast. We sing the song just the same today. He is just the same today. And as committed as he was to his purpose of bringing about salvation, he is now just as committed to bringing about your sanctification as he was bringing about the salvation. And that all of these things, just as the Old Testament, all of these messy situations, all of these things, all of these random circumstances that we think, how are we going to get out of this? He is purposing this for a purpose. And he is just as committed to that purpose as he was to, to save you. And he will see it through to the end. You know, after that, what can we say? But uh, hallelujah, what a savior. So, you know, that, again, this is one of the things that, you know, it's the foundation for everything. Um, and it, it will do you some good just to try to dwell on these things. Constantly remind yourselves, um, you know, of the gospel. Because again, that is the borderline foundation. You know, that's the foundation. Um, all other things on top of that, you know, if you don't have that foundation set, um, the rest is, is going gonna, is gonna to move. Um, so, and take, you know, take comfort and hope that 
God the Father, the steadfast Father, will complete His plan. And that the same God that started the work in you, He will complete it to the end. So may God bless us to dwell on this reality daily um, and that we would rejoice in the reality uh, that we have been made one of the ones by the blood of the Lamb, that the Savior, our Savior, paid the price. He endured the pain to make us clean. So may God bless you is my prayer. Um,